Well, I've got a good word for you today. I'm telling you. It's so good that about halfway through it, I usually start crying. So y'all seen that happen before, so pray for me. Um, you, most of you have been aware that this has been an extremely difficult week. Uh, last thir- Thursday, a week ago, my wife uh, became seriously ill. And um, we went through a hard time. We, she was in the hospital a week. Came, we, she came home Thursday night. Uh, she, she's doing good. Her vital signs are good. She's, uh, uh, but she's extremely, extremely weak. It's going to take a while for her to get back to where she was. Uh, she's, uh, we can see, we can see the tunnel, but it's a long tunnel. But she asked me to ask you to pray for her, and I know you are, and I know you will, and I'm greatly encouraged. God, God has already shown me. Uh, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. God works all things together for good to those who love God. What happened was not good, but he's already shown me the good that, that he's bringing out of it. And I am greatly excited about that. You know, as, as Sunday got closer, uh, with all that was going on inside my heart and mind, I just said, Lord, you know, I didn't have any idea where God wanted me to go. I just didn't know. I was praying and asking the Lord, but you know, then he kept bringing one verse to my mind over and over again. And it is an extremely powerful verse. And uh, we have to kind of look at the context of this verse, of what it is. Uh, Some of the greatest parables that Jesus ever gave Three of them were in Luke chapter 15. And I believe that Luke 15 gives us a picture of true repentance when the, when the, when the son who went into the far country repented and came back and asked forgiveness. But um, it gives us a picture of the heart of God. I'm telling you, it's just God's heart. And I, I'm, on a, I'm just going to lead us through it and get to the verse that I want to preach on this morning. First of all, in Luke 15, 6 and 7, um, it talked about the lost sheep and how the shepherd went looking for the lost sheep. And in verse 6, he says, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Then he goes on and says, well, I love this. (laughs) I say to you that likewise, there would be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than 99 persons who needs no repentance. They have a party every time somebody gets saved. There is joy in heaven. And then the next parable is in verse 9 and 10. And this lady lost uh, her corn. It says, you know, I think she must have been up in years if she was losing things because I lose my keys every day. I have been told to put them in the same place every time, but I forget where the place is. But that way we won't go there. But she lost her coin. She swept the house, and she found it. So she calls her neighbors in. 
And when she had found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace that was lost. And then it comes back again. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Wow. But then you get down to the one we, we know the most about the prodigal son. And, and let's just look briefly at that story. He came, went to his father and asked for his inheritance. And uh, he, what, he shouldn't get it. He wasn't the elder brother. But the father divided it and he gave it to him. And he went out into a far country and wasted his life in, in, in prodigal living, living. Living for the devil. And it says in Luke 15, 20 through 24. That he, he finally came to himself. He was sitting on the side of a pig pen feeding himself with the husk that the pigs would eat, saying. And that's where sin takes you. It never takes you to the heights. It always takes you to the lowest. But he, he came to himself and said, I'm going back home. My father treats the servants better than this. And it says here, and he arose and came to his father. Now look at the heart of God. And he was still a great way off. His father saw him had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Can you believe it? He had took his inheritance, gone, wasted it, come home smelling like a pig pen. Uh, you know, you, you know, and let me tell you something here that is unusual. Jewish men never showed their uh, 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 emotions. They never did. But for this father to run, to mean his son means he'd been looking for him. But to fall on his neck and kiss him, I'm telling you, that shows something about the heart of God. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He was humbling himself, but he was repenting. But the father sent for his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. My Lord, the grace of God. And bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let's eat and be merry for listening to this. For my, this my son was dead. And he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. See, you're getting a picture of the heart of God. But you know, then something happened. The older brother had been in the field. And taking care of the sheep and other things. And doing their duties around the farm. Well he came back to the uh, house. And he heard the music. And, and, and he asked the servant. Said what's going on in, that, in the house? You don't know. Said your brother has come back. And uh, your father has killed the fatted calf. And they're having a party with all of his friends. To welcome him back. Well the older son wasn't too happy. Look what it says. Now his older son was in the field and he came near, draw near to the house. He heard dancing and music. So he called one of the servants and asked him what this meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But, but listen to the older brother. But he was angry. He would not go in to the party. Therefore, now get this, look at the heart of God. His father came out. And pleaded with him. He was so happy. That his son was lost. And dead. Now he's been. He was so happy. 
he just pleaded with his older bro- the older brother. He says, come in, man. Your, your brother was lost and he's found. And, he, and, 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 and But he wouldn't come in. And look at what he said to the father. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might marry, make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, he wouldn't even call him his brother, came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, he killed the fatted calf. Now here's the verse. I'm telling you this verse got a hold of my heart, and I'm telling you it still got a hold of it. And I want you to listen to what the Father said. And this is the heart of God. I'm telling you it's the heart of God. To every, to every son and daughter of the living God, this is the heart of God for you. And I am telling you, if you ever learn to live in this awareness, there's no mountain you can't go through, no valley you can't go through. I am telling you, listen to what he said. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. You know, I said, I said Lord, that's a verse for me. It's for every child of God, every true born again, new creation in Christ, child of the living God. Son, you're always with me. You're never out of my presence. You're never out of the Father's presence. Son, you are always with me, never out of the Father's presence. And get this, and all that I have is yours. My Lord, have mercy. And I got to thinking about the Father's presence and the Father's provision. You're always with me. You're never out of my sight. And I want you to know, everything I have is yours, son. And I've given it to you through my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, I'm telling you, we need to live with that awareness. We need to live with it. Let let me talk to you, first of all, about the Father's presence. Now, if you're a child of God, if you're a son and daughter of the living God, the great thing about being a child of God is you're never out of the presence of God. Now, you can get out of fellowship with God through sin, but you're still not out of his presence. So once you're saved, you're never out of the presence of God. You know, I I love that song that Mahalia Jackson used to sing. Your eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And the truth that is so strong in my spirit is I live every day as a child of God, and you do, in the presence of Almighty God. And he's not a distant God. He's not an uncaring God. He is our Father, a loving, heavenly Father. Son, you're always with me. You're never out of my presence. You know, we're always in the presence of the living God. You know, you know what I love about, I love the 23rd Psalm. I love it. But you know, verse 4, it seems like I've, I've read that. I've preached on it and I've read it at many, 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 many 
celebrations of the of, of homegoing of Christians to heaven. And uh, but I never get tired of this. David was writing and he's talking about God's leadership. He said, you know, but I, I'll say this, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He was talking about, Father, I'm never out of your presence, by the way. And you're always making the right provision, Father. Your rod and your staff keep me on the right road. It'll change your life. It'll cause you to pray more. It'll cause you to look to the Father more. If you just realize you are never out of his presence. But you say, Brother Fred, sometimes people are just, Christians just get so messed up and and they get their heads all messed up. Well, you know, um, I wish that all Christians were perfect, but I don't know any perfect Christians. I know some holy people and some righteous people and some godly people and some people who don't live, they live in the world, but they're not of the world. But I want you to just listen to how God, now, Israel is kind of a type. Uh, they were an example to us. And I want to show you <laughs> how God dealt with him. And it's in verse uh, Nehemiah, verse 9 through 17, 9, 17. Now listen to this. They refused to obey. They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. They hardened their necks and, their rebe- and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader. Goes on to the next verse. To return to their bondage. Come on. God had led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, taking them toward the promised land. And so they just rebelled against him and would not obey him. And they got another leader. Now get this. To return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Listen, I got to go back there. But you are God, ready to to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and you did not forsake them. What? You did not forsake them. It goes on in verse 18 and says, even when they made a molded calf for themselves, you know the golden calf? Even when they made a molded calf for themselves and said, my goodness, this is your God that brought you up out of, the, out of Egypt and worked great provocations. All right, and look at the next verse. You say, well, buddy, they've, they've crossed the line with God now. They've crossed the line. But listen to what it says. Yet in your manifold mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light. And the way they should go. You know, that is just an awesome revelation of the mercy of God. He never forsook them. And you're talking about wicked. Wicked. But you know, they were, God brought them out. They were his children. Uh, most of them died in the wilderness because they refused to, 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 to obey God. But he never forsook his children, and he fed those for 40 years 
in the wilderness. You know, so God, I want you to realize God's faithful presence. Son, you're always with me, the father said to that older brother. You're always with me. And we need to understand that we are always in the presence of our father. You know, Paul, you would think that all the, the Christians would stand with him. They'd stand with him, you know, because he was so bold. He was so uh, on fire for God. And just, but, but look, look what happened to him. Uh, he says in, uh, well, no, this is 2 Timothy now. That's where I want to go. If you've got it on, on your thing. 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. If I, don't, if, if I didn't put it down, you need to look it up. Because I want to read this. Okay, I probably didn't put it down for you. That's not the first time. Okay, here it is. All right, so here's Paul. And he's, he's, he's writing to Timothy. And he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him. Woo. According to his works. Paul wasn't too happy with Alexander the coppersmith. May the Lord repay him for his work. You also must be aware of him. You mean there's some people we need to be aware of? Yep, sure are. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. And he goes on and says in the next verse, At first defense, now get this, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. And you go on to the 17th verse. But the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me. And he strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully through me. So that all the Gentiles might hear. And hey, uh, don't you like it? And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Woo! Boy, that's good. And then the next verse he says. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. So, God never forsook the Israelites. Oh, he sent them into exile and they went through a lot of judgment. But he never, he, they never got out of his presence. And here Paul is, everybody else forsook him. He said, but I'm telling you, my heavenly father was watching over me. He was there and he stood with me. And I love that verse in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. This is a promise now about his presence. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. What part of that verse don't you understand? Do you realize if you are a son and daughter of God, what the father in Luke 15, 31 said to the older brother, son, you're always with me. He said, you haven't even been out of my presence. And I want to look at you this morning and say to you, if you are a child of God, once you become God's child, you're never, ever, ever out of his presence. Now, Sometimes you're more aware of his presence than others. Sometimes he manifests his presence in a greater way. But it's not based on emotion. It's based on faith. 
And, he, and I'm telling you, once you become a child of God, you're never out of his presence. You know, the great passage on, on, on the never leaving the presence of God is Psalm 139. I want you to look at, uh, I'm going to read the first 12 verses. But I, I want you to listen to what he says about he could never get out of God's presence. Lord, you have, Lord, you have searched me and known me. He sure has. You know when I sit down, and you know when I rise up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path. You know where I'm walking, and my lying down. Lord, you're acquainted with all of my ways. Boy, that's pretty thorough. And then he goes on and says, there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. He said, I'm telling you, I'm living in your presence. You have hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it that you know also about me. And then he said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Surely the darkness shall fall on me, but even the night shall be light about me. In, 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 indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness or the light are both alike to you and me. Man, I'm telling you the truth. Listen, I, I just love it. <laughs> that, that, uh, that, the, that father of the prodigal uh, trying to persuade his son, he said, listen, you don't understand, son. You're always with me. You, you're never out of my presence. And by the way, everything I have is yours. That is the heart of God for his children. That's the heart of God for you and I who have, who have, a, have had a life-changing encounter with the Son of God. And he took us from darkness to light and from death to life and robed us with the righteousness of his Son. And we became a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, I looked at the next verse and I'd had something that had been on my heart very, very heavy. And you know what the next verse is about? It's about uh, the life of a child in the womb. It's all about pro-choice and it's all about pro-life. Did you know this? Right, right in the very next verse, it says, how precious also, this is uh, chapter 139, verses uh, 13 through 16. Start with verse 13. 139, verse 13. All right, now look at this. It, now, is this talking about that life begins at conception? Look, it says, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Now, come on, give me a break. That's exactly what it's talking about. Lord, you formed me in my mother's womb. You, you covered me in my mother's womb. You formed my inward parts. He said, I am fearfully and wonderful made, wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. 
And my soul knows that very best. And he goes on in the next verse. In uh, uh, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And then it says, your eyes saw my substance being yet, in, uh, being yet unformed. In your book they were all written. The days for me, when as, there were, were, when, when as yet there were none of them, I said, Lord, that's such a beautiful picture of how the Father sees the unborn baby in the mother's womb. And the Father watches over the child. You know, I got to thinking about the election we're in right now. I just got to thinking about it. You know, uh, and I'm going to be as kind as I can. No, seriously. And, and I won't be as compassionate as I can. You know, you always vote based on what you know and not on what you don't know. Okay? You, ba- you vote on based on what you know and not on what you don't know. If it's not proven facts, if it's not there, then you, you, you don't know. It, 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 may, may, it may be said, but you vote on based on what you know and what you don't know. Okay? All right, I'll tell you what I know. All right? Let's take the Democratic platform. Number one, they are pro-abortion. They believe in killing babies in the mother's womb. Number two, they are pro-same-sex marriage. They lit up the White House when the, and, and the rainbow colors when the same-sex thing was passed. And they believe in liberal uh, uh, court justices and they would never vote for a conservative justice for the Supreme Court. Never. Now that I know. It is on record. It is on record. The Democratic candidate has plainly said that he is pro-abortion. He's plainly lined up with the Democratic Party that is liberal. And it's so liberal, it's off the charts now. It ain't in the left. It's in never-never land. But then I, I, know, I know the other platform. It's Pro, 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 uh, pro-life, taking a stand all of the time. He's against abortion, strongly against abortion. He opposed same-sex marriage to the point that he would not even grant a license, told the judges not to even grant a license. He defied the federal government to tube people of the same sex who wanted to get married. And he certainly is conservative and would never appoint a liberal to the Supreme Court who are the ones who got us in the trouble we're in today. So all I've got to say to you is this. I'd never tell you who to vote for. I would not. But I'll tell you one thing. You better look. You better vote based on what you know, not on what you don't know. In case you know it, some people lie. Did you know that? Some, some, sometimes they dig up stuff. And, and, and so really, you know, I, I, I've read all that stuff, but I'm just telling you, that all I know, they're allegations. But I, more and more we're finding out that they have no substance. We, we, we'll have to wait and see. But I'll tell you one thing. I would never in my life cast a vote for a man who's pro-killing babies, who's a murderer. I'd never do it. In the grace of God, I'd never do it. 
Because if I did, I will give an account to God for it. I'm telling you right now. And that's all I got to say about that. I tell you, I've never been more burdened. I was burdened before the other election. But this, this to me is, is so heavy on my heart. And, and I just am thankful I found this. It was right there in the verses I was reading. Isn't that just like God? Thank you, Lord. You gave me a reason to talk about it, okay? All right. Now, this is where I, we're going to kind of get into something real good. I've talked about the Father's presence. But I want to talk about the Father's provision. Son, you are always with me. And listen to this. All that I have is yours. If God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? And oh, we just, it is just amazing about God's provision. But here's the verse that I want us to major on. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It is this. It says, he'll put up, and he said to me, Paul was going through a time, and he'd asked God three times to remove the thorn from his flesh. I don't understand all the theology in that. All I know is he had a thorn in the flesh, and he asked God three times to get rid of it, and God didn't do it. My grace, this is what God said to him, to Paul. I'm going to answer your prayer, and this it is. My grace is sufficient for you. Not, Not will be, it is. The Father's provision. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will gladly would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then he went on and said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay. So that's that's God's provision, his grace. I'm just going to mention three things quickly. First of all, there's his saving grace. And what better passage than this? Look at this in, in, in Ephesians. But God who is rich in mercy. Are you glad he's rich in mercy? Anybody need any mercy? Well, you're not sure, but I am. I need, Lord, I need mercy. Okay, let's go. But God who is rich in mercy. Because of his great love. With which he loved us. Read on. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he may show the exceeding greatness, the exceeding riches of his grace and and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, before, which God prepared for, before him we should walk in them. That's the saving grace of God. All that I have, all that I have is yours. And that's the grace of God. And it's the saving grace of God. And it's God's grace. God doing for us what we don't deserve and never could do for ourselves. That's his saving grace. Here's the second one. It's the sanctifying grace of God. The sanctifying. Not only does Jesus save us, 
But he gives us the power by the Holy Spirit who lives in us to live the Christian life. To live a Christian life. It's sanctifying grace. It's the sufficiency of God's grace. Here's a great passage. Colossians 2. As you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, by grace, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in Jesus. Established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men. and According to uh, basic principles of the world. And not according to Christ. For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's the saving grace of God. But then there's the sanctifying grace of God that Jesus Christ in us by his spirit enables us to live a holy life however then there is the serving grace of God I love this you know they're serving grace you see I'm talking about the father's provision the father's presence you're always with me the father's uh, the father's presence you're always with me the father's provision all I have is yours look at look at the uh, and uh, well there was one more verse on the sanctifying grace of God. It says, and you're complete in him. But the next verse is Philippians 3, 6. I want you to see this. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. And he goes on saying, he says in that, and I must have put the wrong, right verse down. And it says this. He who has begun a good work in you. It says this in Philippians. He who has begun a good work in you, God began a good work in you, will continue it, will continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. What Jesus started working in you, he is not going to stop until you get to glory. Did you know that? And he who began a good work in you, that's called the sanctifying grace of God. He who began a good work in you will continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. Now we go on to the serving grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. What do you, how do you get the grace to serve? How do you serve God? Where do you get the power? No man had any more power. Jesus did. John the Baptist may have. I don't know for sure. But I'll tell you one thing. This is what Paul said. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was with me. Paul said, anything I did was by the grace of God. Now, this is where I'm going to take an entirely direction that I've never taken before. Because the Lord did this with me. Um, I was thinking... Son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. And I, I was just thinking about the Father's presence and the Father's provision. And then I began to take a little journey in my mind over all the people I'd been with and all the things that I'd been with through people. Some were good and some were bad. But I began just to remember the Father's presence and the Father's provision 
in each one of those experiences. Well, in 58 years of pastoring, almost, maybe 59, I lost count. I, I can tell you, I, I could get, stand up here and give you one encounter, after, one story after another of people where I've sensed the Father's presence within. When it, some, of them, some were good times, some were bad times. But I've also found the Father's provision. You know, I, I just, uh, I just remember shortly after I got to Cottage Hill, I got the news that a, a young girl in our church was at the point of death. She was about, I think, I can remember she was tying a ten. So I got to the hospital right before she died. Her family was there. And she went to be with the Lord. But can I tell you something? There were tears. There was sorrow. But I'm going to tell you something. There were people praising God. There were people talking about heaven. And you know what I sensed as I look back on that? There in a dark moment, as far as the world was concerned, there was the Father's presence and the Father's provision. And I watched that family go through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm telling you, they never went alone. And that just was an example that it was etched in my mind. The Father said, Son, I'm always with you. And all that I have is yours. What an example of the Father's provision. My grace is sufficient for you. Well, then I, rem- I, I came to my mind about when our first grand- grandchild was born. And how we were all sitting out in the waiting room. Just waiting for the arrival of our first grand- grandson. Since then, we've had six grandchildren and ten great-grandchildren, so it's not as big a deal, you understand. <laughs> but this was number one. So we were sitting there, and somebody said, there's somebody's back there that's had an had 11-pound baby. I said, well, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> of course, it was our grandson. <laughs> and he weighed 11 pounds. He came out full-grown. <laughs> but you know, I remember... As you go and you look at that new baby. And you see the miracle of God's birth. How awesome it is. And there's the joy of knowing that God has brought another child into the world that is even part of your life. And you know, I I just sensed, man, I sensed the Father's presence. God, you're good. Thank you for a safe pregnancy. Thank you for a healthy child. But God, thank you most of all that you are the miracle-working God and birth and and having that child came from you. So that was a great time. It was a joyful time. But you just somehow, when you're in the presence of something that God has miraculously done, you feel his presence and you thank God for his provision. I remember um, all the times and I have with some of you, that I've been in the room with someone who, who was a, with a family. It may have been at home or it may have been at the hospital. Of a family whose loved one was within moments or 
certainly not more than hours before going to heaven. And you know, their hearts were broken. They were broken. The whole family would be there. But you know, uh, in the midst of a broken heart, they just, uh, we just say, well, you know, uh, we would sense the Father's presence and then his provision. And we'd just start singing, you know, just singing. And, and we'd sing one hymn after another and just, just sing. Well, I just did this recently with the family. And we just were singing praises to God. You know, let me tell you something. Here's a loved one that you dearly love. Who you're, when she, uh, she leaves, part of you leave. But man, there you are, singing the wonderful hymns and singing the praises of God. Why? Because you're in the Father's presence. And you have his provision. I remember when my godly mother passed away. I think it was 1983, and uh, we were gathered around her bed, and man, she, she knew all the hymns, and because she, she grew up in that day when everybody sang hymns, and boy, she knew them all. She would used to rock the babies and call bringing in the sheaves, and, and I thought she was singing bringing in the sheep. You know, a sheave is some grain that they would bring in, <laughs> and she would, she would even rock the babies and say, rescue the perishing. You know what I mean? But anyway... We gathered around her bed. One of the hardest times in my life. Oh, I knew where she was going, but I tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Still didn't. But you know, we felt the Father's presence and the Father's provision. And we began to sing. And you know what? My mother, in, in the weakened voice, began to sing with us. She knew all the words. She sang all the songs. And we basically sung her into glory. You know, it's just, it, you know, it was shortly after that. Listen, I want to tell you this thing about God's provision, God's presence, and God's provision is in the everyday things of life. And, ch- and the Christians are the only thing that have that promise. They're the only ones that know, no matter what I ever go through, it does not matter. I have my Father's presence with me and he loves me and he always wants what's best for me and he told me that everything he had was mine and that'll just absolutely give you strength I remember when um, I got a phone call and I was told that one of our faithful men at Luke at Cottage Hill Baptist Church had been killed in a wreck and um, he was a dear friend of mine, godly man. And so I went over to where his wife was. And, I'm, and the news had just come, you know. I mean, all of a sudden, he, he was alive, and then he had a wreck. And uh, I've never seen such sorrow. I believe it was the first time I've ever heard anybody wail because the pain was so bad. And I said, man, Lord. Are we going to make it through this thing? But you know, in time, the awareness of God's presence and the awareness of God's provision. I saw God heal the broken heart of a wife. And you know, I'm telling y'all, God never promised us a life without pain, but he promised us that he'd go with us through it. And his grace would be sufficient. And I just saw how God can bring us through anything. And then there was another one. 
that I just uh, just absolutely broke my heart. I, I, I was part of the marriage of this young lady. And um, her family was very active in our, in our church. I think we were at, uh, we may have been Cottage Hill then, or we, I don't know, it's been, anyway, we were somewhere. And uh, I was so impressed with the young man he, he, she was going to marry. He seemed like a good old boy. And if you ask me, did, she, did God lead her? Did she make the right choice? I'd say without question. Well, come out, come to find out. He was totally the opposite. I mean, this guy was off the charts in wickedness. I mean, it, it wasn't, they hadn't been married long at all till the true individual. And look, I wasn't the only one that was deceived. Everybody else said, man, this is a wholesome, fine man. Uh, he, he ended up in jail. But she, I, I, I remember the agony and the broken heart, not only that she went through, but that her daddy went through, wanting to go up there and kill the guy. I mean, you know, I mean, you know you're not going to do it, but you just get so angry when somebody's doing that. And I just remember the, the pain. But you know what? All that time when they were going through it, they, they were aware of the Father's presence. They kept their eyes on the Lord. They prayed, asked God to show them what to do. And, they, and I'm telling you, they, it was the presence of God that got them through it. I, I'm telling you right now. But then there was the provision of God that now she's healed and she's whole. And she's got a, now she got, has got a life. I, 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 need to, I'm, I, I want to pray for her ex-husband because he needs Jesus. He needs to get saved. But, to, but you know, let me tell you something. What if you'd gone through something like that without Jesus? What if you didn't have the Father's presence? What if you didn't have the Father's provision? That's when somebody gets a gun, goes up there and shoots somebody. But no, when you have the Father's presence and, and the Father's provision, God brings you through on the other side. You know, um, I've just got two more, I think. One of my best friends... <laughs> He, he, he was saved in uh, the church I was preaching in Brandon, Mississippi. He was in the car business, and he um, was doing real good as a wholesaler, but he got a car lot. And he got in over his head, and he made some wrong choices. And it was wrong, and he broke the law. You know, I, he told me when the first time he did it, he said, but I'll make it up. I can make it up. I can make it up. But he knew it was wrong. But it, the, he got, got in deeper and deeper. And um, he went to trial and was sentenced to 15 months in jail. He'll be getting out, by the way, in December, praise God. But his wife, Edna, godly woman, and, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, this man, he used to ride with me and we'd go preach and he'd just... And, and he was a witnessing machine. And in prison, he has been light and salt. Uh, and he's never denied. He's repented. He's never denied it. But you know what happened? He, he left when he went off to jail. He left a wife and four children at home. Well, where's the Father's presence in this? And where's the Father's provision?
Did you know a group of friends got together and under the leadership of an individual said, Look, you know what? We're going to take care of his family. And they gave $50 a month. Now it's 14 months. And every month, she got a check for $2,000. And that was just Christians who just did what God told them. And I guarantee you, I've talked to her many times, and it's been hard and been hard on him. But I tell you what, they're going to have a party in January when he gets out. And they're going to praise God for his presence, even in jail. And they're going to praise God for his provision. See, that's the kind of God we have. And that's the way Christians ought to be. It's one thing to judge a person, but it's another person when he's knocked down to pick him up. And so it's just a matter of God's provision. And um, this is the last one I'm going to tell. Because this just happened about three months ago. You never know what God's doing. I'm talking about God's presence, God's provision. I went into the post office over on Airport Boulevard. The, I don't know the name of the post office. It was just a post office, but I don't know. I can't remember the thing, but it's right there on Airport Boulevard, but we're long, beside where Longhorns used to be. And I was standing there opening my meal, meal, not my meal. You can tell what's on my mind. <laughs> it's getting close. But anyway, um, opened him. I stayed a little longer. This lady had gone out to her car. She came back in, and she came up to me and said, Now, you, you don't know me, but God told me to come back in here and tell you my story. She said, Back in the 80s, I went through a horrible divorce. My husband abandoned me. I had two small children. She said, I was hurting. I was wounded. I didn't know, honestly, if I was going to make it. She, she said, but I'd started coming to Cottage Hill Baptist Church. And I didn't know anybody. and Nobody even knew I was there. And I just started coming every Sunday and sitting. And she said, you know, the word of God that had been in my mind started getting in my heart. And she said, I began to get stronger and stronger and stronger. What she was saying is, God, she was saved. She says, the Father's presence and the Father's provision. And she said, you know, Pastor, she said, I got strong in the Lord and I married a godly man. Help me. He, together we raised these, my two children. We've been married 18 years. And by the way, my son's called into the ministry and he's going to be a preacher. Isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like God? <laughs> Take somebody that's about as low as they could get. But there is his presence. She was his daughter. And there is his provision. And now she loves the, the Lord. Her children are serving God. Hey, folks, listen to me. When you become a son or daughter of the living God, you have a father who never leaves you. And he always wants what's best for you. And he will provide for you. There are many, many other places I could go about every different need there is. But that's just enough to illustrate to you. But I'm going to close with this statement. I was talking to one of the men in our church. And he said, you know, uh, 
Sometimes we, it'd be good when people are hard toward God, when they're hard, and when they're bitter or, or hard toward the church or our quote-unquote Christians. He said, you know, we, maybe we need to take the time to find out why they're that way. Why, why are they so angry toward God and so angry toward the church and so angry toward Christianity? There, there's got to be a, a, a reason. I'm thinking of a man who's angry, bitter, very successful, but no, 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 he treats people like dirt. But, but you know, I, I think I know the root of his problem. His son was killed. He's a lost man. He, how do you deal with when, when your son's killed or dies and you're lost? How do you deal with it? You don't deal with it. You don't have the father's presence or provision. And so you get angry and you get bitter. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this last story. There was a man that uh, somebody asked me to visit at, at Providence Hospital. I went. I got to know him. Eventually married him to a, a lady uh, he, he had not been to church since he was uh, 11. He, I don't think he'd been to church since he was 10 or 11 years old and would never darken the doors of a church and was totally against anybody that professed to be a Christian. Well, as I got to know him better and got to know him better, I asked him, I said, Don, why? Why did you never go to church? He said, you know, my, I, I sold papers on the street. I did everything I could to help my wife. Widowed mother, widowed mother. And somehow uh, the preacher where we were going to church found out that she had gotten $10,000 check or something. And he went over and told her that God had told him she got a $10,000 check and she was supposed to give it to him. And she did. And he said, you know, I said right then, I'll never darken the doors of another church. If that's the God these people serve, I don't want any part of it. But guess what? He found out that is not the God we serve. Amen? And I got good news for you. He got saved. Oh, yes. I did his funeral. <laughs> he got saved. So remember, if you've got people that are hard-hearted and bitter, just remember this. Sometimes we need to take the time to find out why. We may not like it, but at least we'll know how to pray for them. You know, let me leave this verse with you. Son, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. What a promise to a child of God.